1994 is one of the greatest years in the history of cinema, with films like Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, Lion King, and Best Picture winner Forrest Gump. This year has been cemented in film history. Let's break down every single film worth talking about. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today, we're going to be breaking down, quite possibly, the greatest year in film history, the year of 1994. There are so many classics from this year alone, as well as amazing debuts by iconic filmmakers. The list of good movies in this is insane. It's absolutely absurd. We did 1999 recently. I think that's unbeatable, honestly, because there are so many good movies. But 1994, we literally have some of the best movies ever made ever. that I can't wait to talk about. But how about we start talking about some big events that happened in cinema in in uh, 1994? What was, what was going on back then, well, man? Uh, in February. By the way, this is almost 30 years ago. I feel, I feel old. We were born in 90s, so we were four. <laughs> On February 15th, Viacom acquired 50.1% of Paramount Communications for $975 billion, $9.75 billion, following a five-month battle with QVC. So they got control of Paramount. Didn't know that. So this is when it started. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's um, Viacom has owned Paramount for a while. I didn't know that they started in 1994 buying it. On March 21st, Steven Spielberg won his first Academy Award for Best Director for Schindler's List for the films that came out, obviously, in 1993. On April 14th, Gone with the Wind becomes the first movie ever to air on the cable channel Turner Movie Classics. I mean, Turner Classic Movies. Oh, wow. So that's that was the first day it ever aired? Yeah. Turner Classic Movies, April 14th, 1994. Wow. On June 7th, Pierce Brosnan was officially announced as the fifth actor to play James Bond. What, what, da -da -da -da. what a day. I know, right? And what a bond. What a bond. What a bond. He's a legend. On June 10th, Speed was released, and this is important because it was one of the highest grossing films of the year, as well as it launched Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock into legit superstardom. Yeah, that was a huge movie. Huge. On June 15th... <laughs> <laughs> it's a great theme. On June 15th, The Lion King opened in New York and Los Angeles and went on to become Buena Vista's highest grossing film and highest grossing animated film, and obviously a legendary movie. Who bought Buena Vista? Because that's not a company anymore, is it? Sure. Yeah. On July 1st, Val Kilmer was officially announced as the next actor to portray Batman following the departure of Michael Keaton. I bet Michael Keaton left because Burton wasn't involved. Probably. Because it says abrupt departure. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Val Kilmer was a, he was a solid, he was a solid Bruce Wayne and Batman. He yeah. was, he was good. On July 6th, Forrest Gump was released, and it became Paramount Pictures' highest-grossing film of all time until I'm sure Top Gun Maverick just decimated it. <laughs> and then on December 29th, Buena Vista Pictures' distribution becomes the first distributor to have grosses in the United States and Canada in a year exceed $1 billion. Nowadays, if you don't do that, that's a disappointment. They're, now they're on fire if they don't make a billion. <laughs> <laughs> Clean up the whole studio. Well, so those are some of the big events that happened in the year of film for 1994. And then for awards, so the 1994 Academy Awards, which were... Well, for it was the 1995 yeah. Academy Awards for the, for the 1994 movies. So the films that came out in 1994 that won yes. Oscars the next uh, spring, we have Forrest Gump, obviously won Best Picture. Robert Smekis won Best Director for Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks won Best Actor for Forrest Gump. Jessica Lange won Best Actress for Blue Sky. And then Quentin Tarantino 
won the original screenplay Oscar for Pulp Fiction with his writing partner. Excellent, excellent screenplay. And let's go over the highest grossing films of 1994. We Number one, we have The Lion King grossed $763 million worldwide. Number two, Forrest Gump grossed $677 million worldwide. True Lies at third place came it grossed $378 million. Don't mess with James Cameron, man. Even <laughs> with a, a random spy movie, it makes almost $400 million. Well, I mean, it helps when Arnold's in it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. The Mask was in fourth place, a comedy, who would have thought, with $351 million. Speed came in fifth place with $350 million. The Flintstones in oh my sixth God. place with $341 million. Now I know why they made a sequel. <laughs> Another Jim Carrey movie came in seventh place. Dumb and Dumber grossed $247 million. That's If that came out to that's $600 million. Oh my God. When that's you absurd. adjust it for inflation, $600 million for Dumb and Dumber. Wow. You, 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 un, you, you It's hard to wrap your head around how big these movies were because the numbers are so small yeah. compared to what we're used to nowadays with the adjusted inflation and how inflation has risen, the, the value of the, has dropped the value of the dollar. It's, and how expensive ticket prices are. How now. expensive tickets are. You when you look at the number of two hundred forty-seven million, you're like, hey, that's really that's good. But when you adjust it for inflation, it's like, holy crap, that's insanely successful. Number eight, we had four weddings and a funeral made two hundred forty-five million dollars. Number nine, Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Chronicles made two hundred twenty-three million dollars, and Clear in Present Danger made two hundred fifteen million dollars. My boy Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan, baby. Had to make Let's the list. go. Wow, made, Jack Ryan movie made the top 10. That's it's, amazing. It's wild to see how many movies that aren't like action flicks making huge box offices here. Really, for action movies, Comedies True Lies yeah. and Speed yeah. are the only action Clear movies. Clear Presence Danger okay. is an action movie. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. three action movies in the top 10 box office of the year. I'm just more Animated sh- movie is number one at the box office. That's uh, wild. That's not surprising to me. I mean, Super Mario made $1.4 this year. True. So, True But kid. what's surprising to me is the comedies being up here. You have The Mask, The Flintstones, Dumb and Dumber, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's four comedies in the top ten of box office. Isn't that insane? I mean, Forrest Gump's kind of a comedy. It's just, yeah, but it's, it's, a drama. More of, it's more of a drama, drama epic. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a comedy. It's funny, uh, but I would call I, It's not a comedy. But, the Lion King's kind of a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it has a musical number. <laughs> but it's just, it's just amazing that comedies were making that much money back then because now— it's it's a comedy's lucky if it makes fifty million. It's like the worst performing genre right now. It is the worst performing genre, I would say. That's why there's so few movies that come out. Comedy and coming of age drama are the I'd say the lowest performing genres right now. That's wild that four of them are in the top ten. That's an impressive thing to do. Interview with a vampire made a ton of money too. That makes I mean, a lot of sense. You had yeah, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in a movie, so of yeah. course people are gonna turn out. All that hair, man. All that but the <laughs> Flintstones, the live action Flintstones. I remember liking that a lot but i was always i always wonder why they made a second one because it's the second one's terrible but it's because the first one made a boatload of money a a truckload of money it's a lot of money that's and then true lies i this was a time when they weren't sequelizing everything so true lies if it came out today it would have became would have become a franchise but james cameron i think what makes that movie special is that it's a one-off you know i miss the one-off actioners i miss them yeah it's kind of romantic just like yeah one-off action movie oh we don't need to make another why but that's that's a really interesting top 10. Very different from what we're used to. Now, there are some really great film director debuts in 1994 from very notable filmmakers that we all know whose first films came out in 1994. So Danny Boyle's first film, Shallow Grave, came out in 1994. And then Peter Farley directed Dumb and Dumber. That was his debut as well. That's a great debut. 
Those are both great debuts. Frank, and da- you, Frank- and Star- you and Stars in Shallow Grave. You and McGregor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frank Darabont has arguably uh, one of the greatest film debuts of all time with The Shawshank Redemption. Takashi Miike, the great Japanese director, his first fil- film came out in 1994. I'm going to pronou- try to pronounce this. Daisan no Gokudo. Not bad. Sounds, sounds pretty good. He made Audition, everybody. And 13, 13 Assassins. Next up, David O. Russell's first film, Spanking the Monkey, came out in 1994. All right, now I think that all makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah if you don't know what that movie is, it's about uh, incest with, between a, a son and his mom. Makes a lot of sense. Steven Seagal's directorial debut. Seagal. Seagal. Not Seagal, Anthony. <laughs> Steven Seagal's. <laughs> Seagal. Steven Seagal's director, directorial debut on Deadly Ground came out. This is the first film he directed. I never knew he even directed movies. That must have been an interesting set, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Steven Seagal directing. Oh, my God. Bunch of roundhouse kicks all day. <laughs> Kevin Smith's first film, Clerks, came out in 1994. That's a really good movie. What a great debut. Very, very micro-budget film. He was part of that class of filmmakers of DIY, do-it-yourself, make a small film and try to get it seen. Ben Stiller, one of our great comedic directors, his first film, Reality Bites, came out, starring uh, Ethan Hawke. And isn't Winona in this? Winona, yeah. and Ben's in it as well. It's, it's, a, it's got comedy in it, but it's more of a romantic drama. Yeah, comedy, drama, romance. Uh, then Kelly Reichardt, uh, excellent independent filmmaker. Her first film, River of Grass, came out in 1994. And then Doug Liman, his first film, Getting In, came, in, came out. He's... Uh, since done movies like The Born Identity and Edge of Tomorrow. That's a really cool list. Bunch of great filmmakers I, there. I believe Doug Lyman's second film was uh, n- not Swingers, The Maid. Yeah. And yeah. Swingers. I think he made he made Swingers. He made Swingers. Yeah. Favreau didn't direct it, he just wrote it. Oh, Doug Lyman's film after that was Swingers. You're so money, baby. You don't even know how money you are. Great set of filmmakers to start out. Big time. Now, let's get into 1994, the movies that came out. <laughs> and... We're going to start with our top 10, and then we'll go by genre after that. Drama, comedy, action. And surprising, like, there's a lot of movies. There's, there's not many science fiction movies that came out this year. That, not that many horror movies came out this year. Yeah, you're right. Science fiction and horror were not sexy in 1994. Now they're they're all the rage now, but comedy was still very big in the 90s, as well as just straight-up, like, action movies. Were st- family movies. A lot of family yeah, movies. Of family a lot of movies. comedies. You'll yeah. see, like... Kid family movies. I feel like the studios were making movies that they knew would be good family uh, buys on VHS. Well, families were going to the movies. Yeah. I That's feel, true, yeah. I mean, they would still go to the movies, but it was more of an event. Like, a lot of families, that was an, a thing you did regularly was going to the movies. And there's like eight movies in this list that you would a whole family could go see. I gotta, I, I gotta make a change to this top ten real quick. All right, what are you gonna change? I'm gonna change number nine. It's an Oscar-nominated movie. My top ten, though. Okay, you go ahead and put it in there. So... What do you, yeah, let's see what Anthony changes. Make sure you replace it down in the list below. So Anthony doesn't like the top 10 list I came up with, apparently. Well, what do you think about this one I just put in? Refresh my page, Anthony. We're on Google Docs right now. I mean, Four Weddings and a Funeral is awesome, but just because it was nominated in one doesn't mean it's top 10 in my book. I don't have it updated, man, on my, on my Google Drive. Oh, I don't have my service on. So Anthony's trying to make updates without Wi-Fi, apparently. Just tell me. I'll do it right now. Karate Kid. It's not the karate, it's the, the next Karate Kid. Oh, it's the next Karate Kid? Yeah, get out. You could have just said that at the beginning. Oh my god, my Instead bad. Of, the my next bad. Karate Kid is not top 10. If, my bad. <laughs> 90, dude, Karate Kid's an 80s movie, baby. Come on. My bad. You know, I skimmed you know it. better than I that. I skimmed it. I skimmed it. 
I thought you were a Karate Kid fan. Anyways, let's get into oh, the... <laughs> the Karate Kid. It's like 86, right? It's 1984. 80... Yeah. You were 10 years off with that, bro. Anyways. Anyways. Alora. <laughs> let's so don't, don't mess with my top 10. I won't. I won't. It's a great top 10. Thank you. Let's start with the top 10 that I made. <laughs> Number one is Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest movies ever made. Maybe Quentin Tarantino's best movie. One best original screenplay. It's such a sensational film. It's something that's really important to us as film lovers growing up. You know, the whole film bro thing. It's more than that. I mean, this movie just kind of changed the way I looked at cinema. He changed movies forever. That in that 1990s independent things forever. <laughs> you have to do that every time. <laughs> I'm never going to say that again because every episode you do that. <laughs> every Anyways, uh, Pulp Fiction, it changed cinema forever because it was during this 1990s independent film boom. We have all these great young directors coming in and it was really exciting what they were doing to movies in Pulp Fiction. It's the juice, man. It's, it's great. At number two, we have Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption, which is one of the most beloved films of all time. It's number one on IMDb. It's in the top 10 of Letterboxd, not number one, though. I think it's in the top five. I think so. It's amazing to believe that's a, a debut film from a director because of how in, beloved it is. And in, it's, it's an interesting story where Stephen King wrote the short story and Frank Darabont wrote him a letter asking to use the film to write a screenplay. Stephen King loved the letter so much that he gave the rights to the Shawshank Redemption to Frank Darabont for $1. Sold it, Anthony. Sold it. Sold, sold it. Sold it for one dollar. It's pretty awesome. Everyone's like, "I'm gonna try that." So that's a policy Stephen King has. If he thinks uh, someone's very passionate about the project, writes to a, a book or a short story he wrote for a dollar. I, I mean, it's an awesome policy. It really yeah. is. But I mean, that's also probably why there's so many goddamn Stephen King projects <laughs> yeah. that get made into movies and TV shows the last thirty years. There's seventy year. It's crazy. Yeah. They're still getting made. They're still getting made. Yeah, they are. There's like little ones. Salem's still, Lot yeah. reboots coming out in 2024. I feel There's, like the 90s were peak Stephen King adaptations. Oh, for sure, dude. He's he, the hottest writer out there. Yeah, absolutely. He's so on many fire. For, on TV, TV movies, TV miniseries, and then films. I mean, it's the TV movies. Like those were huge. Number three, we have Leon the Professional, or Leon as it's called in Europe. This is an excellent film. It's kind of a coming-of-age movie mixed with assassins and hitmen. Great performances. Gary Oldman's a terrific villain in this movie. Natalie Portman, so young in this role, but so talented and charismatic and carrying so many sequences on her shoulders as like a 10-year-old. It's insane. So precocious. It's an awesome movie. It's an all-timer for sure. And It's, it's got three. some great action. Excellent action. Next up, we got at number four, Forrest Gump, an all-time American classic featuring iconic Tom Hanks and his legendary performance as. This is just one of my favorite movies to watch. Feel good, nostalgia. It hits all of the right beats. It's hilarious. It's dramatic. It's romantic. Sweet. It's very endearing. And we have an amazing cast of characters. Uh, this is a, a wonderful film. I think it definitely deserved Best Picture. There's that like joke 
Jonah Hill says, remember, and uh, this is the end where you, you probably hate like uh, universally loved movies. They're at the pool party and they're making fun of Jay Baruchel because yeah. he, they call him a hipster. It's Emma Watson and Craig Robinson. They're probably, they're like, oh, you probably the- hate universally loved movies, don't you? What do you think of Forrest Gump? It's a horrendous piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> Life's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> so, but Sorry, I-, I can quote that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> you went to the deep tracks. <laughs> I had to correct you, man. But. It's, it deserves the best picture, I think. I think it was really, it's just become such an, a paramount classic. Yeah, I mean, the Academy obviously chose Forrest Gump over something like Pulp Fiction or Shawshank or Leon because of the Hollywood classic feel to it. Yeah. It's a sensational film, one of the most feel-good movies of all time. Yeah. And fucking Tom Hanks is a legend. So of course. Number five, we have one of the greatest animated films of all time, back when they were still drawing a lot of them. The Lion King. It's epic. Everybody loves this. Hans Zimmer won an Oscar for the score. Elton John won an Oscar for best original song. It's just one of those movies that I feel like everybody has seen. Everyone has seen The Lion King. In every country. Everywhere, yeah. man. It's It might be one of the most popular movies ever made. I think it's top three animated films of all time. It might sure. be number one. I think it's number one. Number one animated it's bold, film it's of a all bold time. statement, Anthony. Lion King. The Spider-Verse people are coming for you right now. <laughs> They're coming for you. I don't know. The Spider-Verse, they slowed down the last couple of months. Whoa. Whoa, Anthony, we're trying to get five-star ratings and reviews here. All right? They're not going to want to listen to us if you keep saying stuff like that. <laughs> I love Spider-Verse, everybody. Spider-Verse over Lion King all day. Over Lion King. I'm trying to get those ratings. <laughs> Latin King sucks. Spider-Verse, baby. <laughs> what a sellout. I got a Spider-Verse tattoo right here across my chest. We have a Spider-Verse billboard. Lion King sucks. <laughs> it's nice to know you completely sold out. I, I mean, got to do what you got to do, baby. All right, next up at number six, we have a wonderful Chinese film, Chongqing Express from the legendary Wong Kar Wai. This is such a fun romantic and unique story I, I really adore this film i love the filmmaking i love the actors uh, and also we have probably uh the most tr- one of the most charming characters ever put on screen thanks to Fei wong and her infectious charisma it's a wonderful movie number seven we have quiz show we actually talked about this recently for a little bit on the show an incredible movie directed by Robert Redford, starring Ray Fiennes and John Turturro. If you've never seen this one, I cannot recommend it enough. It's about a quiz show where there is some nefarious stuff going on behind the scenes of the show from one of the contestants as a new one comes in. And it's excellent. It's dramatic. It's funny. It's so well made and crafted. I love that movie. It's really great. Next up, we mentioned it earlier, Kevin Smith's debut, Clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I'm not supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic film. It kind of uh, was a early introduction to the idea of mumblecore. Characters hanging out and chatting. Because that's a lot of life. And I remember this being on a lot in our household. Our older brothers adored Clerks. It's a really fantastic film. And Kevin Smith really like did something new with this yeah and he's been he was a really important filmmaker in the 90s because of not only the movies he made but the movies he got made or helped get made like google hunting wouldn't have happened without kevin smith that's why he's a producer on that movie so moving on to number nine 
Four Weddings and a Funeral, the movie that tried, Anthony tried to replace with The Next Karate Kid. <laughs> apparently, Anthony, Anthony's top 10, The Next Karate Kid is an all-timer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it on the letterbox 100? I don't, I don't understand. Now, Four Weddings and a Funeral. <laughs> it's a great comedy drama. It was directed by Mike Newell, who Gobbler Fire filmmaker made. And it's solid, it's funny, it's dramatic. And it won an Oscar for, or nominated for a couple Oscars, actually. We put it number nine. Solid. Solid. At number 10, we have the great French film, Three Colors Red, which is part of the holy trinity of colors that all came out in the same year. But red is slightly, I think, gets over the edge over the other two. That's why I put it. Slightly. Yeah. It's really phenomenal. It's a wonderful film. Very incredi- incredibly well written and directed. The theme of red, the theme of suspicion, of trust. Judgment is a huge theme in the film. It's a very powerful movie. Highly recommend checking it out. Drama? Drama is a good category to start with. Don't want the drama. <laughs> drama. Drama. What's that from? The Office. It's Andy. When him and um, Aaron are starting to date, but they don't want anyone in the office to know. Your office and references so are too specific. So they're trying to keep it secret. And he's like, I just don't want the drama. Oh, yeah. So he's trying to hide it. And he's making drama. He's being mean to yeah. Aaron. Like, Aaron sucks. And, like, they're trying to be outwardly not in a relationship. And then at the end of the episode, she's like, you love drama. He's like, I know. I'm such a drama queen. <laughs> I remember now. And then they uh, make their relationship public. That this is Doesn't a, he like announce it in front of everyone? Yeah, they're yeah. at a roller skating rink, and he, he says it on the microphone at the, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, toy yeah, gig yeah, section where you, yeah, t- yeah uh, the ticket section. So this isn't an episode about The Office. So let's get into drama from 1994. We're not going to include the movies we talked about in the top ten on any of these lists. So if you don't hear them, that's why. But drama, we're going to start with Interview with a Vampire. This is a really solid drama and dark vampire film. We have Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise in the lead roles. Tom plays a vampire who's been a vampire for centuries, and Brad plays a newly turned vampire by that guy who has to now deal with the moral qualms of what he is as this monster and killing machine while Tom Cruise's character loves it. It's really solid. Great production design as well. I mean, also, an incredible breakout performance from Kirsten Dunst. Yes. She is remarkable in this movie. Like, oh my god. Seeing how good, how like how ahead of the game she was. Her and Natalie in '94, yeah. man, they were great. She's I, I, she, and she becomes like such a vicious character. It's great. That's why I'm very excited for what young actress gets cast in a very important role in Dune Part Two because I think there are so many great child performances that really make movies. Th- these two specifically, absolutely. Next up, we have another Brad Pitt film, Legends of the Fall, which is a great uh, film about war and its effects on the lives of not just the men and women involved in war, but on their families as well. Uh, Brad Pitt plays one of the sons of a farming family, and the impact of war is stretched throughout the entire community as well as deeply within their family. It's a tragic, beautiful, and powerful tale. And then we have... The hair, too. The hair. (laughs) The hair. (laughs) Three Colors White and Three Colors Blue, which are part of the trilogy for Three Colors... uh, And obviously Three Colors Red, which we talk about. These ones star... White star Julie Delpy... And Blue stars uh, Juliette Binoche, your girl, right? They're excellent. Really great movies. Very dramatic. Um, I prefer Blue over White, but they're all really terrific. And Red's excellent as well. That's why you put it in the top ten. But if you love French cinema, these are essential to it. Yeah, and, and they have, they're very heavily themed. So Blue is about grief and depression. And, and then White is about uh, basically revenge in a way. It's a, it's a great revenge tale. Next up, we have... 
Heavenly Creatures, starring Kate Winslet. Uh, her, I think it was her debut film, I believe. It's a great uh, British film, great British drama. Directed by Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, that's right. Peter that's Jackson. Right. Next up, we have Burnt by the Sun, which was the international best picture winner coming out of, I believe it was Russia. Let me double check that real quick. Burnt I love that title, Sun. Burnt by the it's Sun. It's an excellent title. Yeah, it's a good like band name, too. It is a great band right? name. Right? <laughs> Burnt by the Sun. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read a quick synopsis about this. So, in the Soviet Union in 1936, so it is a Russian film, the, oops, hold on, I clicked the wrong button. You got it, man. Shadow of Stalin's repression, repressions lie on a famous revolution hero. The accusations of being a foreign spy are nonsense and all known that, but a slow process of his life down, I think this was translated from Russian to English yeah, and it did not work confusing. out. So, it's a World War II film. And it's set in Soviet Union, basically. So that was really oh, no. confusing. Pre-World War II, 1936, post-World War One. Yeah, that was definitely translated. <laughs> so I put that through Google Translate. It did not come out well. Just Google's just like, here's some shit. <laughs> Russian, Russian to English, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, my God. Next up, we have Black Beauty, which is actually a horse-centric movie. It it's actually follows the perspective of a horse. And the people who train and raise it. And it's actually narrated by the horse. It was also directed by a horse. <laughs> uh, starring Sean Bean. <laughs> Sean Bean's the horse. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> Next up we got Crooklyn. This is a Spike Lee joint, one of his early films coming out of the 1990s. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing. <laughs> that was a good joke. Uh, this is one he, an early one he did with Delroy Lindo. Can't recommend it enough. We talked about it for sure on our Spike Lee Spotlight. If you haven't checked out that director Spotlight episode, that was a good episode. Go look it up. And we that talked about good. Crooklyn for a little bit. It's a good one. Excellent, excellent movie. Next up, we have Eat Drink, Man, Woman from Ang Lee over in China. We actually talked about this on our favorite international films episode with uh, Marta McFly. This is a great foodie movie. It's and a, our food movie we talked yeah, about. Yeah, and it. our food movies. You're right. Excellent. So this movie basically follows the, a family. The, the patriarch, the father, is a cook, and he cooks for his family. His three daughters, however, they have very estranged relationships with him and with each other. And the film follows basically them trying to work things out, and try to remain a family even though they're all growing apart. It's a great, wonderful film. Next up, we have Santantango. Have you seen this movie? I have not, but it was on the Letterbox 100, I remember. Yeah, I put it here. It was on that Letterbox 100. It's 100% Rotten Tomatoes, and it's an 8.2 on IMDb. So this is a movie that I'm definitely going to want to ch check out. It's coming out of... Which country is it coming out of? It is from... Hungary. So it's a Hungarian film. Next up, we got another Tarantino film, screenplay by Tarantino for Natural Born Killers. It was directed by Oliver Stone, the stars Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis as a couple of psychotic serial killers on the lam. It's pretty wild and very out there for an Oliver Stone movie. I thought it was so cool growing up. It's like very much Thelma and Louise, except a little darker. And even crazy kind of like, uh, what's the Terrence Malick movie called? Um, Badlands. Badlands. Excellent movie as well. Number, I mean, next up we have... Excellent skiing. Excellent skiing. Excellent skiing. <laughs> you said it exactly like him. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. That's a uh, talented Mr. Ripley. 
Next up, we have Hoop Dreams. This also came out in 1994. This has a huge rating of 8.3 on IMDb. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. It's about uh, two inner city kids in Chicago struggling to become basketball players on the road to from going to college to professional. Next up, we have a previous adaptation of Little Women, this time directed by Gillian Anderson and starring Winona Ryder, Kirsten Dunst, Susan Sarandon, Claire Danes, as well as Christian Bale plays um, Laurie, yeah. the role that Chalamet played. So they both, it's interesting, both of them early in their careers, I think they have very similar trajectories in terms of career trajectories. He played that role, and Chalamet played it recently in Greta Gerwig's great an- adaptation. And uh, Winona Ryder is really fantastic in this film. And then Sersha did a wonderful job with the Greta's. Next up, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Wyatt Earp. Now, Wyatt Earp is about, obviously, the the Western celebrity from the Old West. It's played by Kevin Costner. I'm talking weird right now. I don't know what's going on. Kevin Costner plays Wyatt Earp in this great autobiographical film. Great Directed stash. by Lawrence Kasdan. Didn't... Oh, he's the sc- Star Wars screenwriter. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. yeah. In, he's directed Indian... some good movies. Star too. Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah. So he directed this movie, Wyatt Earp, basically about the story of him, you know, go, from his life going up and becoming this myth of an, a thrilling gunslinger in the West. Romance, adventure, heroic action. It's a solid movie. What a mustache, too. What a what a stash, yeah. Top tier Kurt Russell mustache. He's had some good ones no, in different roles. Kurt Russell? I'm sorry, not Kurt Russell. Kevin Costner, never mind. Do you even listen to anything I say? Moving on. Never does. <laughs> I think it's because has Kurt played Wyatt Earp also? Probably. Wyatt Earp's definitely been adapted. Maybe a few that's times. what threw me off. We have a banger next. Angels in the Outfield, starring Joseph Gordon Levitt, Donnie Glover. I mean Danny Glover and Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey plays one of the players, right? In the outfield. Center fielder. In the outfield or right center field or right field. One of them. He's right field, because that's where the kid's sitting when Yeah, it could be. But I mean it's a great it's a great movie. It's a great baseball movie about angels it's helping a, the helping It's about the cheating. Angels. Yeah, it's about cheating. <laughs> Apparently, apparently Jesus is okay, okay with cheating. God doesn't mind if you cheat. If in baseball. you suck, he'll cheat for you. So basically, yeah, it's, it's okay it's, to cheat. That's the, that's the moral of the story. It's okay to cheat. Classic baseball story where it's <laughs> the worst team in the league. They need a little help from angels. But it's a great kids movie. We it loved it growing up. It's I mean, it's about angels. It's about this kid who prays to let the uh, angels be good this year, and then the angels actually real angels come down and help them play. Why don't you pray for something real? <laughs> Like cure cancer. I'm what so, a selfish what a thing. What a waste of a. What, are, what is God what doing in this waste, movie? What a waste of a wish. Wish JGL. Those angels could be doing other shit than playing baseball. J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <laughs> you could have been like, please God, cure cancer. <laughs> no, actually, I just want the angels to be good. <laughs> it's just it's such a fanatic thing. Oh man. my God, it's so funny. Next up, we have another childhood classic. We have Lassie live action adaptation. We grew up with this one. Sorry, I should have put this in the action category. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know, we all know Lassie. It's a uh, you know Lassie. Lassie. It's a famous show, been adapted many times, and this was a, a live action adaptation that we grew up with. We watched this a lot for sure. All right, let's get into action. <laughs> that was a kind of a downward trend with drama. Well, I mean, that's I I don't I did it like kind of best to worst sort sort of in a way. Sorry, Lassie. All right, we're going to start off with The Crow, which was an awesome, awesome film. Brandon Lee starred as Eric Draven. This is really well received, too. 7.5 on IMDb, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty successful, 94 million. That's about almost 300 million adjusted for inflation. It was an awesome film. I remember thinking it was so cool as a kid, and it does still hold up. It's great. 
Next, we have Speed, baby. I can't believe this movie's 1994. Wow. Holy crap. If you think about it, they look so baby-faced. Yeah, they do. Yeah. What a legendary film for two these two stars. Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves are some of the biggest names in Hollywood. And this is like, wasn't their first movie, obviously, but it really launched them to superstar because it was such a huge success. And then we have Jeff Daniels in there. Oh, yeah. And Dennis Hopper is the villain who's got Out this crazy God. terrorist scheme of putting a bomb on a, on a city bus and... Keanu jumps on it to try to save it. It's an amazing movie. It's like the perfect action movie. I love Speed. It's I great. fell in love with Sandra Bullock when I was a kid because of this movie as well. <laughs> you know she uh, had a crush on Keanu while filming? Yeah, I've read that. It's very cute. And that like, They would have been a great couple. But he's such a nice guy. He's like, I don't want to like... like I don't want to impose. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, they're on set. They're working, yeah. Mag- yeah, magically, like, got together. They would have been a great couple. Very beautiful kids. So <laughs> 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 the most beautiful kids alive. <laughs> Next up, we got True Lies from Jim Cameron, starring you know him, <laughs> Jim Cameron, Jimmy Cameron guy, my guy, Jim, my guy, Jimmy. So my C. friend, my friend Jim made this movie, <laughs> starring Arnold and now Oscar winner Jamie Lee Curtis. Arnold plays a spy who's keeping his job a secret from his wife, and then as her suspicions grow, she also wants to live a more vivacious and exciting life so she kind of puts into the series of events of accidentally getting involved with his profession really really great like all-time action comedy it's fantastic it's an epic one then we have clear and present danger a jack ryan movie starring harrison ford as well as willem dafoe baby james earl jones what a cast it was directed by philip noyce and it's just a great action flick. Uh, Jack Ryan movies. Harrison did a couple, right? He did he's two? In a, he's in two. two he, they're great. His Jack Ryan movies are awesome. They're really good. I, I fucking love them. I think he's he was my favorite Jack Ryan. Yeah, Al- Alec Baldwin did a pretty good job. Chris Pine, pretty good. But Harrison's just Harrison. Forget about Krasinski. I've never seen that one. I watched an episode of it. It was all right. Apparently, it got really good. And people like it now. But I like still watch a lot of seasons. T- in. I still watch a ton of TV. But uh, yeah, they got I'm happy season. for him. Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm happy for anything that he does. We're huge John Krasinski fans. <laughs> All right, next up, we have a Jackie Chan film, Drunken Master 2, part of his Drunken Master franchise. No, just the legend of the Drunken Legends Master. Legends of the Drunken Master. You're putting in movies that didn't even come out in 94, bro. My bad. The legend of the Drunken Master, the OG. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I see. What are you looking at over I Googled there? it, and the number two oh. came up. <laughs> he, he goes to Google... <laughs> Google didn't make the list, Anthony. I did. No, I'm just looking for uh, stats. Statistics, stats. baby. 7.5 on IMDb and an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a really fun movie. It is. It's a great one. And then it's, I mean, he's the modern day Charlie Chaplin. And this movie proves it. I mean, playing a drunken kung fu master, it's awesome. And then we have Street Fighter starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Which makes no sense because he's French and has a crazy thick accent and becomes like the all-American hero. I can tell you why he got cast. Because the guy, the producer didn't speak, uh, he didn't speak English, right? Yeah, so it was the, uh, the producers of the video game, they knew he was a big star and liked his movies. And then the, one of the producers of the film, when they were like, we want Jean-Claude Van Damme, he asked them, what about his accent? And they were like, what accent? Oh, because the audio's dubbed. Yeah, it's all dubbed. Gotcha. So they didn't know he even had an accent. Or it's just uh, t- it's just captions. Exactly. They, they, didn't, they couldn't pick up on an accent. 100%, yeah. So they didn't even realize that he didn't speak Eng- like English as a first language. Yeah. 
Because he speaks, he speaks fine. Yeah, he speaks fluently, but, the, but thick he's ass got, accent. He's got a very thick accent. Yeah, he's got an American flag tattoo on the bicep. <laughs> it works. It works. Guess, that was their way around it. How do we show that he's American? Fucking just give him a fucking flag it tattoo. It works, man. I don't even care. When I was a kid, I didn't care. Like, who cares? There's another no movie cares. on this list in comedy we'll get to in a minute that's got a weird situation like that, except even weirder because an adult plays a child in the movie, but it works. <laughs> but there's also another uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie up next. He was huge in the 90s. He was a superstar. We adored the guy. Time Cop Yeah, was an awesome sci-fi action movie. It's not the greatest movie in the world, but it is just like a great shut-your-brain-off kind of movie. We watched it all the time. It's a really cool movie. And then we had another classic for, for action movies. Oh, my God. We have Double Dragon, which is based off the video game starring, I mean, the two characters of Billy and Jimmy Lee, two brothers. One wears red, one wears blue. This one's weird. It's fun. It's kind of got, like, a little bit of that um, Super Mario Bro movie, that original. You know what it's it feels like? Aesthetic. It feels like Total Recall. Kind of it's like, like a Vorhoven All of those movie. are, like, sort yeah. of in there. It's just, like, this weird kind of wannabe Cronenberg horror aesthetic with the action comedy at the same time. It's like a circus genre yeah, of a movie. But it fucking works. It works, and it's awesome. It's a great movie. It's the one with the medallions, right? Yes. Yeah, the medallions. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, there's two pieces. Yeah, the, the, medall- the one medallion. Man, I love this movie. We, dude, this is on repeat. We, Billy, wore that, we wore that VHS out. Billy and Jimmy. And we, the f- did we dress up as them in Halloween one year? I did with a friend in college. Oh, that's a great costume. Yeah, it was. Man, I love that movie. Now, we only have a couple genres left, so how about we run to our intermission, Anthony, and then we'll get back to comedy and whatever else we have left. Sounds great. Now, before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast and help our show grow is to share us with your movie friends and family members. If you know anyone who loves movies, send them the show. Send them this episode. Send them a specific episode you think they'll love. It's the best way for a podcast to flourish. We need your help. You can also leave a five-star rating or review on Spotify and Apple. Apple, you can leave a written review, which we love to read off on the show. I'll get to one in a minute. But these ratings really help us get seen by new listeners and new people on the platforms. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It's a subscription-based form of support. We have five different tiers of membership, and they all come with awesome perks, including two bonus episodes every single week of the show. Every tier has access. We have $2 tier, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every tier has a different set of perks and they get better and better as you go up obviously that ten dollar tier gets you access to our discord twenty five dollars you get a custom episode you pick a topic and we'll do it for you hundred dollars there's so many goddamn perks in that one i don't have time to run through it all we'd be here for like an hour because there's so many great things into it including you know coming on the show for a fun guest segment but thank you to everyone who is a patron it supports our show like nothing else it's the reason we can do it full-time so thank you so much sign up today at patreon.com slash raiders of lost podcast or click the link in the description of this episode and this episode of course is sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com the number one place to get your posters online today be sure to use our promo code raiders 10 at movieposters.com to get 10 percent off your order right now they have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. They also do our bi-monthly movie poster giveaway contest. Calvin just won this previous contest. Congratulations, Cal. Glad you won this one. He's been trying for months, and it worked out. trying for years. For years, yeah. (laughs) His villain origin story is over. (laughs) He can be a hero, finally. (laughs) 
They also he had... was just calling and just breathing <laughs> on the line because he wanted a poster so bad. Every time Calvin lost, he would DM me like a, a meme of the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, MoviePosters.com is high quality. They look amazing. They're very affordable, especially with our promo code Raiders10. So be sure to use that promo code at MoviePosters.com to get your discount today. Now let's get into the intermission, everybody, and begin with our movie quotes competition. You ready, Anthony? You ready, listeners? <laughs> when you love someone, you've got to trust them. There's no other way. You've got to give them the key to everything that's yours. Otherwise, what's the point? And for a while, I believe that's the kind of love I had. Oh, shit. Um, can you say it again? When you love someone, you've got to trust them. There's no other way. You've got to give them the key to everything that's yours. Casino. That was, you got a pretty good uh, De Niro impression at the end. A little wise guy. Great quote. For a while, I believe that's the kind of love I had. All right, here's mine. I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you buy. Are you so fucking blind that you don't even see who I am? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand. I'm your easiest problem and you're going to kill me? Say it one more time. I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you buy. Are you so fucking blind that you don't even see what I am? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand. I'm your easiest problem and you're going to kill me? I don't know. Michael Clayton. Oh, Michael Clayton. It's after a pharmaceutical company tries to kill him by blowing up his car, that, but he wasn't in it. Yeah, they didn't understand the horses, he, yeah, right? They didn't understand that he's a fixer, and they could use him to fix their problem. Yeah, his car blows up, and then the horses run by, right? Well, he goes, he parks his car. To see the horses. See the horse and walk up to it, gotcha. and then it blows up. Yeah. So he should have been in the car they the way they timed it. I haven't seen it in a while. It's really good. Tony Gilroy made it. Moving on to, guess this movie release here, Anthony. What year did Platoon come out? Six, way off. Way off, man. Oh, my God. You thought The Karate Kid came out in 1994 and Platoon in 92? All over the place. Don't talk to me about 80s releases. <laughs> <laughs> That's my weakness, apparently. We found it, everybody. <laughs> okay, what year every, did... Every week, just I'm going to ask 80s questions. <laughs> I'm never going to get one right again. <laughs> what year did Old Brother, Where Art Thou, come out? 2000 and... can't be 90s 2002 2000 close i didn't even <clears throat> excuse me sorry i forget what i was gonna say moving on to movie pop quiz time anthony and listeners who directed la confidential fuck <laughs> <laughs> i never remember this guy's name <laughs> It's just like that movie that you everyone loves and it's so good. But it's like who fuck made who that? made it? Because <laughs> it's like a one hit wonder director, right? Not really. I mean, kind of. It's his. It's he's made. I would say two really good movies. Two good movies. This is a standout. Yeah, I don't know. Curtis Hansen. Curtis Hansen. What else has he done? Oh, sorry. Something. Eight Mile, The River, Wild, Wonder Boys, In Her Shoes, Chasing Mavericks, Lucky You. The hand that rocks the cradle, but yeah, 
LA Confidential is exceptional. Exceptional. It's phenomenal. <laughs> All right. George Clooney co-starred with Jennifer Lawrence in what movie? Clooney and Jennifer Lawrence? Co-leads. Not just like whoa, 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 co-leads. Whoa, 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 whoa. You've never, whoa. You don't know this movie? Wait. Clooney Lopez. You said Jennifer. You said Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. You said George Clooney and Jennifer Lawrence. I said Lopez. No, you said Lawrence. Even I said Lawrence back to you and you said yes. Whatever I said, it's, <laughs> it's Jennifer Lopez. Lopez. See, you both said it again. <laughs> George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez. Okay, this in helps. Movie. This helps a little bit. I can see the confusion. I can see the conundrum. <laughs> I was like, "What movie is Jennifer Lawrence better than George Clooney?" I understand the conundrum. Lopez and Clooney in a movie together. Huh. That's a good question. Maybe you'll give us a good answer. I mean, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Because, I mean, she hasn't done a ton of movies in, like, the last decade. And I, but she was huge in the 90s, early 2000s, doing a bunch of rom-coms. Well, I will give... Uh, it is romantic and it is comedic. It's not a rom-com, though. All right. She's in a bunch of romance films. I don't know. Out of Sight, directed by Steven Soderbergh. You don't know that... Oh, my God, you Hold would on. love it. Hold on, let me, let me Google you this. You would love it. it. They get locked familiar. in a trunk in the first act, remember? It's them two in a trunk. Oh my god, I remember this movie, the poster. Yeah. It's really good. Let's check it out. I think he'd like it. Good question. It's def definitely not Jennifer Lawrence. Now, Anthony, do we have any Raider haters this week? Any hate comments or any, any good unsubscribes? What do we got? Cooking oh, we always there? got plenty of hate comments. What do we got? We got... Okay, man. Take your time. Nobody's waiting or anything. <laughs> okay, it's definitely your budget. Blaine's nine six five six wrote, "Vienna is in Germany." Unsubscribed. Anthony <laughs> yeah, thought Vienna was in Germany. <laughs> Geography is also, not an expert trait of mine, and they do speak German in, in Austria, by the way. Oh yeah, sure, I believe that. It, Austrian's not a language. <laughs> no. It's not a language? They speak German. Well, if it is, it's not the, the most spoken language. It's not the, the main language is there. Is Austrian a language? Da, 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 da. Austrian doesn't have its own official language because German. So it's, it's mostly German. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm not a... Well, well, it's okay, man. Politics. You live in America. You speak yeah. American. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they speak Canadian in Canada. Speak American out here. It's the language of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for our haters because we just recorded yesterday, so we did. We went through a bunch. Yeah, it's all good. We have a great five star review. But I, I, I came up with a funny meme idea, though. Let's hear it. I just so. I realized that every troll online, whether it be Twitter or TikTok. Instagram. All the trolls. They're basically uh, the physical embodiment of them is the guy in Goodwill Hunting at the bar with the ponies, with the ponies, the long hair. Yeah, I mean that, that's kind of true. It's it's coming because they act like they're know it alls, even though they just they're just copying someone else's opinion. Yeah, and they're hating on someone just to hate on them. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a good point because there there's no way people would say the things they say on the internet in exactly. person. Yeah, like what that guy says in the bar is just like and it's so always weird. with such a pretentious air. 
I was like, it's it's exactly like what they are embodied. All right, we have a great short five star review from an anonymous person. Hey, thanks, anonymous. Amazing. Really feels like I'm having a conversation with my friends. Well, we want that. We want that experience for you. We appreciate that. That's what it feels like to you. Question: Which what is exactly an ampersand? Here, I'll show you. Is that the three dots? It's the um, it's the and. Oh, the swishy and. Yeah, the swishy and. <laughs> Why did you just say swishy? Why did you say swishy and? All you had to say, bro. <laughs> 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 Anthony, he's so knowledgeable about very specific things, but then like, what's an ampersand? Oh, the swishy thing. <laughs> uh, it's exactly it. It's like I'm like Sherlock Holmes. I just language in Austria. It's probably Austrian, right? <laughs> Vienna is in Germany. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but ask him about a movie that came out in 1956. Oh well, it was directed by uh, Steven Steven Stanhausen. It was uh, written by Jeff Jeff Kalinsky. <laughs> Jeff Kalinsky. <laughs> <laughs> Polish filmmaker. Yeah, I came to America and made 17 movies in two years. Kalinsky. <laughs> oh my god, it's funny. I'm crying. <laughs> oh man, that's what's good. the capital of Montana? Uh, 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 Helena. <laughs> Don't ask me about capitals, bro. Anything geography related, leave me out of it. We found out recently. Now, oh my god, that's funny. What's your streaming recommendation, Anthony? I recommend The Perfect Storm, Max. Wicked Pisser Kid. It's, uh, I just felt like a, a Boston movie. Oh, you watched it recently? Oh, yeah, I watched it last night. And it's not amazing, but it still works. It's about fishermen from uh, Boston who go on a Gloucester, right? Gloucester. Gloucester. They go on a dangerous fishing journey because they're all desperate, and they go into a risky area that's... Uh, known to have very rough storm weather at this period of time, but they're all desperate for money, so they're taking the risk. They had a crappy, uh, they had a crappy season. Yeah, very bad season, and unfortunately, timing worked out where two huge storms—one's a hurricane, one's like a tropical storm—are colliding, and they end up in the center of it, and it causes. That's where the name of the perfect storm comes from. But it's a, it's a it's a solid movie, Wolfgang. Um, Puck? <laughs> no. <laughs> Walking whatever his name is <laughs> directed it. He's a good director. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly I'm a big fan. <laughs> Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang Peterson directed it. It just came to me. There it is. Um But it's it's got a great cast. You got George Clooney, John C. Riley, Mark Wahlberg, Diane Lane, who, oh my god, I had the biggest crush on her as a kid. A babe in the Oh comedian. my god! <laughs> Isn't um, it's Mark's girlfriend, right? Yeah, his uh, his uh girlfriend, and then there's just a a ton of great small bit actors that have become very respected actors nowadays. And John C. Riley. Yeah, I said Riley already. John Hawks. John Hawks is in it. He's great. Um, William Fickner is in it. Amazing cast, but it's, and also it's got a great score from J James Horner. And the CGI is really good. It it looks fantastic. It has aged really well. It's a good movie. It's It'll it's make fun. you cry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the tragic. characters. It's really the yeah. characters. And um, everyone has a Boston accent except for Clutie. His I, is okay. No, he doesn't even do one. Yeah, he doesn't even right. do it. I think they just were like, don't even try it. Some of them are a little over the top. Marx is the only one that really works. Yeah, it's he, real. It's natural. It's a solid movie. Now, my streaming, streaming recommendation is... 
Spotlight. We both picked Boston movies. Spotlight guy. Uh, on Amazon Prime right now. It's about the massive scandal that we live through as seeing these headlines in the Boston yeah, Unfortunately, Globe. James. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. Should have said that. Should so not sorry. have said that. No. I'm glad that you're able to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony broke himself. Anthony, Anthony's broken. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> he started red. <laughs> this tomato. Oh, my God. I'm crying. <laughs> I meant as a community... As a community, oh, we okay. live through gotcha, this gotcha. spotlight, the scandal with the uh, the Catholic churches that you all know about now. But um, it was wild because we were kids, and every couple of weeks in the Boston Globe front page would be like a pre, another pre. It was crazy. Another Everybody priest. was talking about it. Yeah, spotlights the story about the first revealing case about the situation. They found how widespread it was, and how it was getting covered up. It's horrible, but the movie's excellent. One best so picture. So well acted. Directed by Mike McCarthy. Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> <laughs> He's a talented guy. Very talented Great guy. Great pizza, man. <laughs> Great pasta. It's my favorite airport spot to go. Wolfgang Puck to go. For an $18 turkey club. <laughs> Thanks, Wolfgang. <laughs> that someone spit on. <laughs> they can charge whatever they want at airports. Yeah, they and really I hate can. It. I hate it. A, a Gatorade's like $76. They're like, if you want a Gatorade, you got to pay for it. You oh, you wanted to bring liquids in? Sorry. You can't, yeah, you can't do that. You wanted to bring water? No. My not. body is like all water. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you, not our problem. Not my problem. <laughs> that, that, that's not us problem. That's a you problem. <laughs> American airports are so ridiculous. You can bring anything except for water. <laughs> Unreal. Oh, my God. Not anything, but you know. Yeah, gotcha. You can bring chicken parm in. Yeah. You can bring a chicken parm sandwich through security, but God forbid you have a little can of soda. Unreal. Get, it. Un unreal. Get a backhand to the face. What's the matter with you? You can't bring root beer through security? <laughs> Could be a bomb! <laughs> Take those shoes off, American! They could be bombs! Take them off! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you always know uh, americans in europe if they're traveling if they're american because they always take their shoes off in the security yes. lines when they don't have to whenever i whenever i'm traveling in europe because i learn i learned that fast i'm like i keep my shoes on I'm like look at those stupid americans over there look, you're, you're like american. elbowing a french person like look at what a fucking idiot <laughs> Not us, meanwhile I've, I've done it we've done it all we've all done it before <laughs> anyways oh my let's god. get back into the episode and since we're laughing and giggling let's talk about comedy and obviously, I mean, Jim Carrey was the king of comedy in 1994. We'll bring up one of the movies that we had. In, oh, wait, we didn't have any of his movies in the top ten. We'll just start with his, though. He had, yes, we, Yeah, we did. Dumb and Dumber was in there. Did we put Dumb and Dumber in there? Oh, yeah. No, that was in the top box office. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, Jim Carrey, y'all know, had three massive hits in 1994, which is absurd to be an actor, not only just an actor, like, but a comedic actor. Three incredibly different movies characters that like no one ever created just invented characters that are so fascinating but three massive hits dumb and dumber ace ventura pet detective in the mask what a goddamn year and obviously he became one of the most famous actors alive after 1994 what was uh, your what's your favorite out of the three out of the three ace ventura i would say i would say i would say ace ventura too dumb and dumber second in the Mask Three, yeah, I think that's that's fair. But also, I fell in love with um, what's her name in the Mask? Oh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. So, so she's like nine, 20 years old in that movie. I would say the Mask is great, but it just doesn't have quite the same 
quality throughout the rest of the film. But it's cool because it's got like yeah. a sci-fi supernatural component to it. That's and, but it's crazy to have films so high in the box office for one actor to lead them. And he's the the thing with the thing with Jim Carrey is he is the movie. You're not. It's not an adaptation. It's not an IP. It's not like a ensemble. It's him. He is making it work. So that's what's so impressive about his success, especially in 1994. And I heard, I saw this great Jeff Daniels interview recently he did talking about getting cast in Dumb and Dumber. Studio didn't want him. Producers didn't want him. Farley's and Jim wanted him. And what they did was they finally got the studio to agree to cast Jeff Daniels. And he was getting paid peanuts. He got paid 200K. Like, he barely got paid. He had become a very respected dramatic actor, but for comedy, they were like, well, Jeff Daniels isn't a comedian. But he, he understood the role, and, Jeff, and Jim Carrey really believed in him. So what they did was they filmed one scene with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Casito scene. It went really well. But then what happened was they changed the schedule around, and then Jeff Daniels filmed by himself every day for the next five days. And what he was doing, he was doing the scenes, the sequence where he's trying to court her without... Um, Jim Carrey in those scenes, you know what I mean? Yeah. That entire sequence. They filmed all of that. I'm sorry, the first thing they filmed was the was the motorcycle with the, getting frozen with the pee. Just go, man. Just go. That ain't a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you call that? <laughs> Just a little bike. A little bike. <laughs> Motorbike. Motorbike. <laughs> so that's the first thing they filmed. And then Jim Carrey, they changed the schedule. Jim Carrey didn't film for the rest of the week. It was all Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels every day. And it got him thinking, this is basically an audition. They're having me shoot the bulk of my stuff to see if I can do it without Jim in, in the scenes and if I can really pull this off. And so he filmed all, that entire week just by himself, his solo scenes. And then the next day, he was, for, and then for that following weekend, he was like, I'm going to get a call. They're going to say I'm fired. I'm going to get that call. They're going to say don't come in on Monday. But he never got a call. And then he showed up on Monday. And in the morning, he was in the makeup chair. And then Jim Carrey goes up to him, pats him on the shoulder and says, you're doing great. Keep it up. Oh, that's really sweet. And so then they got back to their normal schedule and gave him confidence that, okay, I belong here. Yeah, he's great. He's a great comedic actor. I bet he's just a really funny guy in person, and I'm sure that's why they're interested and thought he could do a good job as Harry, right? And Lloyd. Is that his last name? I think so, Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ace Ventura is just one of the best physical performances. Same thing with the mask, but I, I, there's something special about Ace Ventura. He's just so so dynamic and incredible. The design of the character and everything. Yeah. The hair. We should just do an episode on Ace Ventura. We should, we should, yeah. Have we done a Jim Carrey episode? We did, um... We did a Jim Carrey episode, yeah. Uh, Actor no, Spotlight. No, we did Truman Show. That's what we did. Spotlight. Because we never really talked about Dumb and Dumber before, or The Mask. Oh, yeah. Let's do uh, Pet Detective soon. One and two. Everyone loves it. <laughs> the opening of two with the monkey. <laughs> From Cliffhanger. It's a raccoon, the Anthony. Raccoon, the raccoon. Well, the monkey's there. Right? Yeah, the monkey's there. Yeah, yeah. The raccoon. Oh, my God. Hang on! <laughs> it's such a messed up opening to yeah, a movie. it's crazy. Like, they wouldn't do that today. Like, kill a raccoon no in a way. movie. No way. No way. But it works, man. It's funny as hell. All right, next up in comedies, we have Ed Wood. We talked about this in our Tim Burton spotlight as well as our Johnny Depp spotlight because it's a movie that Tim Burton made and Johnny Depp stars in playing the director, the eccentric director, Ed Wood, basically kind of a biopic about him. It's very funny and dramatic. It's an excellent film. Highly recommend it. Next up, we have The Paper, which is a Ron Howard film with a stacked cast of Michael Keaton, Marissa Tomei, Randy Quaid, Glenn Close, 
and Jason Robards. It's about an editor at a New York at the New York Sun, a tabloid paper, is facing financial cuts. His pregnant wife pleads with him to get a more respectable job so he can spend spend more time with his family. It's a pretty solid film, uh, directed by Howard and written by Dave, uh, David and Stephen Cope, who have gone on to be very successful screenwriters in the past couple decades. Facing financial and paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible joke. I like Sorry, it. there's something in my throat. Yeah, let it out, man. Take a sip of water. It's like so congested right now. I don't know what's going on. It's the change of season. It must be. Or also, there's there's a fan blowing in my face. That might be it as well. Definitely not. And an AC above your head. Yeah, yeah it can't be that. Now, moving on to Airheads, a Brendan Fraser-led film, also starring Adam Sandler, where he plays the lead singer of a rock and roll band that will, who will do anything to get his music played on the most popular rock station around. So what do they do? They hijack the studio. They get their song played. It's awesome. It's funny. But it's also kind of just super rock and roll. It's a great comedy. It's awesome. And for any any fans of rock, it's like a great rock movie. Awesome concept, too. Yeah. Awesome concept. Genius concept. Back when DJing for the radio was like a big deal. It was very, like a very cool job. And like they were like the celebrities of their towns. Now, podcast took y'all no, over, yeah, baby. baby. <laughs> See you later, radio. No, radio's still big. But yeah, this is still some. Yeah, we're not like on Sirius or anything. But Airheads is awesome. I love that movie. I, that's a... Uh, We've seen that a lot. I'm, I'm, I guess, I'd yeah. say definitely over a dozen watches of that movie since... Quite since, a few. That's that's chi- in childhood? Ten, you've watched Airheads 12 times? Yeah. How did you have time to watch Airheads 12 times, Anthony? I'm 33, bro. I've seen the movie like three times, maybe. No, we saw that a lot when we were kids. I think you just replay things in your head when you were like a little kid going to bed. Just like movies that you watched. 12 times Airheads? Yeah, like once a year. No one's, no one's seen Airheads 12 times. <laughs> Not even Brendan Fraser has seen Airheads 12 times, Anthony. I believe that. I mean, yeah, he acted in it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Ed Wood like 16 times. What year did The Mummy come out? 1999? Okay, yes. He, had, he, did a, he was just straight up comedies for the most part until... Like uh, Tarzan. Anyways, we're moving on to... Uh... An auteur, director. Danny Boyle's first film, like I said earlier, Shallow Grave, which came out in 1994, stars Ewan McGregor and Christopher Eccleston, also known as The Doctor, when an accountant, doctor, and a journalist are searching for the fourth roommate of their trendy flat. They settle on the aloof Hugo. This is a fun little comedy about living with weird people. Definitely check it out. Awesome directing, very creative film. Next, we have Major League Two, the follow-up to Major League, which is one of the best baseball movies out there. It's a terrific comedy as well. Major League Two basically takes the Indians after their excellent kind of come-from-behind season the previous year when they went from worst to almost first, basically. They're now basically World Series contenders. Everyone's kind of coming back. But, you know, they've become complacent. Their new owner interested in winning, so they kind of got to get the fire started again. And wow, things got to come back and save the day. Wild thing. You make my heart sing. Maybe that's what I'll do for Halloween this year. That's a great costume. That would be fun. That's an awesome But I have to have my hair like that. Or maybe I can find a wig. Just wear a hat. Maybe I can find a wig. Yeah, I'll do a hat. Yeah, you don't have to change the hair. Just change your hat. But But I'm not sure people will get it without the Indian's hat. Yeah. Let me know that the the hair, because he does the, the, the lightning. Not It's like the, the, the zigzaggy. Yeah, the zigzags on the sides. 
I don't think you hand. have to. I think people still get it. I, if I went to a barber, they'd be like, what is this? That was a, that's a great costume idea. I could see Charlie Sheen. In I got kind yeah. of like the Charlie Sheen hair sometimes. I think you kind of look like Charlie Sheen. Remember that time we saw him on the street? Yeah. <laughs> we saw him in Sherman Oaks crossing the street, and he was so tweaked out. He, he looked, looked like a goblin. Yeah, he looked like he weighed like 90 pounds. But he had this crazy smile on his face. He, it was like 1230 at night. It was wild. It was so doing, line, we, we, we doing like, lines. And we were like, is that fucking Charlie Sheen? We were at a red light. <laughs> Next up, we have Naked Gun 33 and a third, the final insult. This is one of the best uh, spoof franchises. And I mean, they just poke fun at everything. It's a lot of fun. The title is ridiculous. Leslie Nielsen is an all-time comedic actor, really perfect, and made these films work. These are all always a fun time, and uh, Priscilla Presley was actually in this film. I've never seen the next film, Bullets Over Broadway. It's a comedy starring John Cusack, Diane, we Diane Weiss, Jennifer Tilly, and Chaz Terry. It got an Oscar nomination. Oscar win for Best Supporting Actress. Oh. So it won Best Supporting Actress for Diane Wiest. Great actress. I've never seen that either. All right, next up. You know how I feel about John Cusack, though. <laughs> He's your least favorite actor. What, do you, what is it about him that you just don't like? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just something about it him. rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, man. Like, you see him? What, yeah. is, it, is it his voice? Is it his face? You can't put it on, like, one thing, dude. It's just, just everything about him. Everything about John Cusack. <laughs> Like, he's in some good movies, but, like, sometimes I'm just watching. I'm like, I can't watch this guy right now. What about Joan Cusack? Joan's excellent. I feel like they're just so similar, though. Like, it's not it's John, man. <laughs> <laughs> James hates John Cusack. I don't hate him. I just <laughs> don't enjoy looking at him. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> I think he's great. I think he's a, very, he's a solid actor. This is a great interview of him where the interviewer thought he was a different actor and she asked about, like, how was it working on this movie from, like, two years ago? He's like, I wasn't in that. She's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I wasn't in that. Yeah, she's she's that. like, are, are you sure it's not you? She's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not me. <laughs> it's so funny. Next Wouldn't up. you believe him? I know. How do you not believe the fucking guy? He's, he's, tell, he's telling you it's not him. Unreal. Next up, we have a Coen Brothers film. The Hudsucker Proxy. This is an awesome movie. Tim Robbins, Paul Newman, Sam Raimi, Jennifer Jason Lee, John Mahoney. Really, really fun movie. It's about uh, it's them tackling the business world. It's really bizarre, really surrealist. Uh, Tim Robbins was a he had a huge career in the '90s, and this is one of his best performances. And this is a really underrated film for the Coens that uh, people don't really talk about. Our next film is directed by a very underrated director, Penny Marshall, who made Renaissance Man, which is. Starring Dane DeVito as a businessman who takes over kind of the teaching of a bunch of recruits in the army who can't pass basic training. It's funny. Excellent. I remember this. Yeah, Penny Marshall, she was on fire in the 90s, man. She did A League of Their Own. Awakenings is an excellent film as well. She, her filmography is stacked. Great, great career. Yeah. All right. It's time to move on to the family-friendly segment of our... 1994 breakdown. Y'all are gonna love this. The family section from 1994 is insane. These are. This is like a all time. This is what makes 1994 the one of the greatest years of all time. Is the family movies. I think that's why people when people look back or they think about some of the movies that came out this year, some of the best movies when we were kids. 
Not the Karate Kid, Anthony. That was 1984. <laughs> All right. First up, we got Little Giants, which is about a little football team. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, it's just a great little kids movie. Very funny. Adorable. Very sweet. Uh, I love... I just love this movie. It's as a basically kid. the Bad yeah. News Bears with football, yeah, pretty much. Because then a like a, a girl, girl joins comes the team. In, she's the best player on the team, yeah. just like Bad News Bears. They just took that that archetype, and also the dads are the coaches. So the guy from Honey I Shrunk the Kids is the coach of the Gist team, and the rival team's coach is like a hard ass, and so they're always having like that rivalry, which is great. I love it. Next we have the Santa Claus, which I think is probably the best Santa Claus movie. In terms of, like, not just, like, the franchise, but, like, movies about Santa Claus. Yeah, it's I think uh, Tim Allen's Santa Claus is the best. I think he's the best Santa Claus so far. I mean, Kurt Russell, I think. Well, Kurt Russell's a great Santa, but I saw some of that movie, and it's not it. Man. Yeah, and he's just too cool to be Santa. But I think I think this is, like, the best version of Santa Claus. And it's a classic. It's a banger. I mean, it's funny. It's just, like, what would happen if a normal person had to become Santa Claus? And I love it. It's funny. It's a great Santa movie. It's a, and it's a great Christmas. It's all it's a top tier Christmas movie. All right, next up, we have an iconic film for children in the '90s. This is legendary, and it's one of the most legendary characters of all time. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Richie Rich. <laughs> so, starring Macaulay Culkin as a kid who becomes super wealthy and just starts spending money like crazy, buying shit and bossing people around. It's really funny. Uh, this was a VHS we had for sure, and it's it's a fun movie. And it's very similar to Blank Check. It's coming up next. Which also came out this year as a theme. Blank Check is awesome, but also there's a weird kiss in this movie oh that I think has not aged well at all. It's pretty odd. So Blank Check's about this kid, y'all remember, who gets in a, a bike accident and then gets control of a Blank Check and uh, starts to spend a million dollars from it. And starts buying A million dollars all- is even that much money. That's in 94, yeah, but in 94, you could buy a good amount yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but the amount of stuff he was buying, it's like there's no way a million dollars is going this far with these mansions. I mean, bouncy house and renting. The mansion. Renting a mansion. All right, renting, maybe. For a month, dude, for right, sure. You can, right. can rent a mansion for a month for like 100K. Okay. And, I mean, he spent the hell out of it. He spent it all. But then he doesn't realize that gangsters own, it's like belongs to gangsters. And then he has this weird relationship with this older lady who like, they, like, have a romantic kind of relationship. It's odd. She's, like, into him. I think they were going for a big vibe. Yeah. But the thing about big is she didn't realize he was a child. Inside. But he still, like, was looked he, like an adult. He was a grown-up. She thought he was a grown-up. Yeah. She thought he was a, a, a childish grown-up. She thought he was a 30-year-old man. Yes, exactly. Whereas he's an 11-year-old boy. She's a 27-year-old woman, and it's just odd. And he looks like a little boy. <laughs> but it's kind of one of those, like, oh, it's like the dream to have 14. I understand like, they were trying dollars. to do, like, a sweet little thing at the end, but it just, it's odd. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, yeah. That's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> my man. My man. <laughs> oh, my God. We got another kid's movie, D2, The Mighty Ducks Part 2, starring Emilio, with most of the returning cast, uh, Joshua Jackson, was one of the kids in Mighty Ducks. No way. He was one of the kids. He's like the uh, he's like the lead kid, the best player. Holy crap! You're right. Yep. Wild, right? Um, this is yeah. These are his first movies. Uh, the first Mighty Ducks is legendary. This one's a solid sequel. Uh, it's not as good, but it's still a lot of fun. Hits all the right beats of a of a sports movie, especially a kid sports movie. But Emilio is just iconic as the coach. Then we have Little Rascals. What a classic! Because they kind of like took a lot of tropes from romance films and like put it just with a bunch of little kids 
and it, it really works. What, what's the era this movie takes place in? It's like the 1960s, 60s, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so basically Alfalfa, the lead, <laughs> gets a girlfriend, but then all his friends try to sabotage the relationship because they don't want him to be with her anymore. Her, Darla. <laughs> bad friends, by the way. Va- very bad friends. Makes for a funny movie, but this is a classic, man. What That's a, her name, Darla? Oh, my God. I remember that. Elf Alpha. Elf Alpha with the pointy hair. It's, it's funny. Whenever I see someone with their hair standing up, I always think of alfalfa. Well, that's basically – I wonder if it's like an official word in the dictionary now, like that's called an alfalfa. Maybe it's inspired by alfalfa, an alfalfa sprout. No, yeah, but I mean like because a lot of words from cultural things like movies and TV shows and books become official words in the dictionary. I uh-huh. wonder if that's an official word now. Let me check. Let me see if alfalfa. Is alf word for the st- hair sticking up? Better be. All right, next up, we got another sequel to another children's classic. We have the sequel to Three Ninjas. This time, Three Ninjas Kick Back. This was iconic. We got Colt, Rocky, and Tum Tum, these three little boys who are trained by the Grandpa Mori, and they fight bad guys. It's a great movie, and the sequel is pretty solid. Uh, it's just a fun little franchise. If they, if This is a franchise that's prime for a remake, I think. This could work. I think it could work. I really it could if, work because they're so obsessed with rebooting things. I mean, Three Ninjas. It's a great concept for kids. I would, I would watch a Three Ninjas movie. I feel like they could really make a, a great new one. There's a lot they could do with it that could work really well. That's a fun kids movie. Tum Tum was my guy. Tum-tum. The reason why I loved Twizzlers when I was a kid, it was my favorite candy, was because Tum Tum ate Twizzlers all day. They made one, two, three, four of these. They milked this one. Got to milk it. I don't man. even think it's any of the returning cast in the fourth one. Just Victor Wong. <laughs> Next up, we have The Flintstones, the live-action film that we talked about earlier. Um, real quick. Came out. The, the original Flintstones cartoon was 1960, and they made so many comics as well as cartoons. It was just a success for such a long period of time. And they finally made a live-action film in 1994 starring John Goodman. What was Flintstones? What company was it? The movie? Was it Warner Brothers? The, no, the show. ABC. ABC. Gotcha. All right, next up we have a live-action adaptation of Clifford starring Martin Short as the dad. It's a pretty fun little family No, movie. Martin Short plays the kid. So it's about an 11-year-old boy who's obsessed with dinosaurs, but Martin Short, who is 40 years old You're at right, the time, he is the kid. plays the kid. It's, it's, um, Do you remember this name? movie? Charles Grodin plays the dad. Yeah. It's basically like the Robin Williams movie. Where he's a kid. Where he ages fast, you know? Kind of, yeah. It's kind of like that. But not really, because it's sort of... But they just cast him. It's not like anything science-y weird or anything about it. He's just They just cast a 40-year-old actor in the role, just because, why not? Like, let's see what happens. I think it's kind of interesting, and I, I remember... If you're going to have someone do it, it's Martin Short. I remember this movie, man. It's a fun experiment for a comedic actor to do. Yeah, that's what I mean. To like, just be like, let's let me just play the role... Of a kid. It's like um, Wet Hot American Summer. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Exactly the yeah, concept. Yeah, it's just like that, because yeah. they're all like in their the 30s. And... I'm not the first on the sequel. Yeah, even the first one, they're all in their late 20s, dude. Yeah, but still, they can pass as counselors, kind of, but the sequel they made a few years ago, they're all in their 40s, and they're still acting like yeah, 16-year-olds. Exactly, yeah. That's where, that's where it's the same concept. Kind of, yeah. Uh, it works in the right situations, yeah. and I think it's it's fine for this movie, because I, when I, I remember watching this in, as a kid, and it worked. It did. 
I mean, imagination's a powerful thing. And he's such a great comedic actor. He's a legend. Next Martin up, we Short's have... one of the best. One of the best. Next up, we had The Jungle Book. I totally forgot. Live action. They made a live action Jungle Book in 1994. Holy crap. Who was in this movie? The poster is terrible. Terrible poster. That is a horrible, horrible poster. They only spent $27 million on it. Jason Scott Lee played Mowgli. And then John Cleese is in it. Lena Headey's in this. Carrie Elwes, Sam Neill. Sam Neill's in it. Sam, Jason Sam Neill's Fleming? the Colonel. Yeah. Whoa. Oh my God, I can't believe this. It only made $43 million on $30 million budget. Yeah, it's a hard movie to pull off in the 90s without any CGI really available. Yeah, did they? I think they just went with the uh, the animals with no melts moving. Yeah, with voiceover. They, would, they did just real animals yep. with voiceover. Holy crap, I remember this movie. Look at Sam Neill with the mustache. That is an awesome stash. I cannot believe Lena Headey was in this movie that I watched growing up. I always, I mean, I guess I always wondered if she thought she looked familiar from Game of Thrones. Remember this. The, the tiger po- scene, I remember that. The poster is horribly photoshopped. It's like as bad as a Photoshop job as the My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. <laughs> like the head of the guy who plays Mowgli, it does not match his body at all. Definitely not. Definitely from a different photo. All right, then we have another sequel to another children's classic, The NeverEnding Story 3. I'm not Never sure I completely remember this one. Jack Black's in this. <laughs> no way. This has a 3.2 on IMDb, 26 to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, made $5 million on $25 million budget. 3.2 on IMDb is pretty low. I've never seen this one. But The NeverEnding Story 1 is fucking legendary. Yeah, it is. If you have not seen The NeverEnding Story, watch it. And if you have kids, watch, show them that movie. I still think about that movie. If I ever got a dog, like Falcor is a top name I would pick for my dog. Or a Treyu. Yeah, or Treyu, or Atreides. Um <laughs> Or Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> Come on, Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> just Leave flo- the test ball alone, just, Baron Harkonnen. He just floats around <laughs> in his suspensers. <laughs> his dog suspensers. You have a wonderful kitchen, Dad. <laughs> Come on, Baron Harkonnen. Come on. <laughs> And then to finish up comedy, we have Anthony's <laughs> favorite movie from 1994, The Next Karate Kid, a classic. So this one, obviously we have uh, Pat Morita coming back as Mr. Miyagi, but this time he goes to Boston for a military reunion, but then he starts to train Hilary Swank's character, Julia Pierce, for a karate competition. Classic. It's better than the first. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's, it's fine. It's good. It's, yeah, it's kind of like the same movie. It's like Karate Kid is one of the best. Uh, kids movies ever made it's just amazing yeah it's a reboot of a love karate kid cruel summer cruel 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 summer leaving me here on my own it's a cruel cruel summer it's a banger it's a banger I fucking love that song when we did our episode on Karate Kid, Anthony was blasting that in his car for like weeks. I, for a week straight, it was on repeat. I, it's really catchy. It's a banger of a song. It's a Cruel really summer. good song. Banger. Really good song. All right, next up, let's move into horror. And horror was not quite as strong of a genre as the juggernaut that we know of today. Not much to talk about. However, there are still some legendary filmmakers making movies in that genre. John Carpenter being one of them. And 1994, he came out with In the Mouth of Madness, starring Sam Neill. This is a really cool, bizarre movie. It's actually getting a lot of recognition lately online, which I'm happy to see. 
not very successful, not hugely seen, but it's solid, it's really fucked up, and it's really bizarre. Sam Neill has been in a couple of really great horror films, Possession's another one, and then this one as well. It's really awesome acting. Next up, we have Leprechaun 2, the sequel to the classic Leprechaun, which was Jennifer Aniston's first Jennifer movie, Aniston, right? yeah. Now, this one has Warwick Davis coming back as the Leprechaun. He's in Los Angeles, and I believe he's trying to find a bride. As his previous object of affection was denied to him a thousand years before in Ireland, so he's back to take over Los Angeles and find himself a bride. Six percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. Next up, we have a Jack Nicholson movie where he becomes a werewolf called Wolf. So he plays a character who's bit by a werewolf in Vermont, and then his life becomes chaotic after that. Co-starring Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader, Christopher Plummer, and Richard Jenkins. What a cast. Wow. It's a, I remember I saw this uh, not too long ago. I think a couple years ago. It's pretty good. Mike Nichols uh, made it. He's an awesome director. Um, this is one of his lower-tier movies, but it's still pretty fun. And finally, we have a Paul Schrader movie called Witch Hunt, which I have not seen, starring Dennis Hopper. About a twisted 1950s where everyone does magic, a private detective investigates a murder case without it, without magic. And then we have one more major animated release called Pompoco. This is about, I've never seen this, but it uses the creatures of myth as his heroes. It's a beloved folktale with a bunch of characters that are viewed as bringers of fortune with shape-changing abilities. This film, their forest home is threatened by urban development, and to save it, they must use all of their supernatural talents. Very well-liked film. It's a 7.3 on IMDb, 86% Rotten Tomatoes, and then a 4.4 Directed by Isao Takahati. I've never seen it. And just uh, one little thing to wrap it up. I'm so glad you put this in. My favorite music video of all time by Spike Jones, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. It's, it's so funny. If you've never seen this music video, look it up on YouTube. It's a blast. It's not only one of their best songs, but the music video is silly. They're just basically, it looks like like a home, like a like a move, a video you make in college class, like in a video production class, where you're just messing around with your friends making a music video. They have terrible costumes, and they're just basically like detectives running around Los Angeles. They must have had like fifty thousand dollars. They like rented a couple cars, and they just went around all over LA, peeling out and just jumping off buildings. and And it's so goddamn funny. They're like they're detectives trying to find like drug dealers and stuff like that. It's hysterical. He's a great, he's an all-time music video director. Yeah, he is. Wow, that's a great year of movies. I can see why a lot of people say it's their favorite, because there are a lot of iconic, legendary films in this list. And I will, But I will say, after doing 1999, I don't even think it comes close to 1999. I would say as impressive as 94 is, it's not as deep as 1999. Yeah, you take 20 of these, the best movies out of 1994, and you're not cooking with much, but with 1999, you could take out 30 movies, and you still have a great year. Still got a good sauce. Yeah, you got a great sauce. I agree, and 1994 is another, like, all-time year, but 1999 seems to be the best we've done so far. So, so far, we've done 2017, we've done 1999, we've done 1994. 2014 or no? No, we did not. That's what I We should to also do. do, we should do, 2019 was great. We should do 1976. And 75. 75 was actually better than 76. It's Jaws, right? Oh, yeah. 
There's a lot of years we can do. We should probably do a 1984 for Anthony because it's his favorite year of cinema. The Karate Kid came out, his favorite movie of all time. I think that if we do this once a month, it's a fun little segment. It is. Yeah, it's, it's a blast. Fun. Yeah, because we get to, we get to talk about so many movies. Yeah, and it's there's full of nostalgia. And you forget about them. Yeah, there's we because we watched so many movies when we were young that you we forget about. Yeah, them. Yeah, and Anthony had Anthony watched every one of these movies twelve times. <laughs> I mean, who knows how how we. Grew up with the. I mean, I don't know how you had time to do anything. Watched Airheads twelve times apparently. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you did that. <laughs> Even the editor was like, "Bro, after ten, I was done." Imagine if I had Letterbox back then. <laughs> Imagine if you were a kid now on Letterbox, you'd be such a snob. I would be a snob. You would be a Letterbox snob. Man. Although I, I would, I would actually have like a following. I would be. I would probably. It would have been my chance to be cool as a teenager. Maybe you'd have like you'd have like seventeen followers. No, I would have had a pretty good, a pretty good letterbox account. Probably, but yeah, I love doing these years in film. Let us know what years we should do. Everybody, what's your favorite movie of the year? Of this year, it's Pulp Fiction. Same Pulp Fiction. But I can, I can, I totally, I'm fine with Shawshank winning Best Picture. Yeah, it's a, it didn't though. Forrest Gump won. I'm great with <laughs> great with Forrest Gump winning Best Picture. <laughs> oh my god, I'm all over the place today. I am all over the place. I'm totally fine with Forrest Gump winning Best Picture for night. Yeah, don't forget Anthony. Vienna's in Germany, right? <laughs> I that's a tough Best Picture year. That is. Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, and Forrest Gump in the same fucking year. That's I mean, why show is like a contender. Man, what a that's a tough year to pick Best Picture. Sure is. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to 1994, A Year in Film on Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Definitely share this episode with your family members and friends. It's the best way to grow our podcast. It's to share us with everybody you know who loves film and TV. You can also sing leave- it. <laughs> sing it, baby. Sing it. You can also leave a five- you sing the whole thing now. You can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We love it. It helps us get seen. And then become a patron at patreon.com. Slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You should do that every time. Every single time? Yeah. If people sign up for Patreon, I'll sing my fucking ass off. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen, our chosen one patrons, are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.